0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So I, um, I hope you had some time connecting with your hearts. And... Um, I hope you notice that sometimes your heart's open and sometimes it's closed. <laughs> There's this really um, beautiful... I, I just love this children's book. It's called My Heart. It's by uh, a woman named Karina Lukin. And um, I'll I'll put it out if you want to look at it later. But it's just this... These just beautiful, simple illustrations... Um, of this little girl and sort of how her heart is someday a puddle and some days it's tiny, you know, this teeny tiny thing in this crack and then some days it it can grow and some days it's behind a fence, right? And so it's just this beautiful illustration of, of all the different things that can happen to our hearts, And it culminates, it ends in this sort of little statement, closed or open, I get to decide. I get to decide. So, you know, and that's, I feel like that's really true, that we kind of get to decide, but also we have to do the dance. We have to let the heart do the dance and the mind do the dance and it it contracts and it gets, you know, protected and it, you know, sometimes is big and open and can be very active. (laughs) So um, I really want to encourage you to keep looking for small ways, the small ways that you shut yourself down, shut the heart down. You compare yourself negatively to others, you know. Um, And these are often very, very subtle, small ways in my experience that maybe don't even necessarily have language. It might not even be this formed thought. It's more this feeling of uh, something not quite right, you know, or uh, a a subtle, uh, you know... I'm just curious, have any of you ever come here and felt like you didn't belong here? Or felt like, you know, um, somewhere else you didn't belong? Right? This happens to us. And, you know, sometimes in meditating, we'll compare ourselves to another meditator. We'll think, well, they're meditating better than I am. Right? Or I'm not meditating good enough. Or this is not the meditation I wanted. sometimes this comes up like oh you know if you're got lucky enough to get into one of the IRC retreats right this long lottery list and you think oh but this other person wanted to go and you know they should have gotten my spot they deserve it more than I do even in that you know in some ways that can feel like a generosity it can feel like um, the sense of wanting other people to have a retreat experience or this other special experience, but, and it can feel like, you know, we can feel encouraged, like that's good to think this way, but often just kind of notice that there's also a subtle feeling of being inadequate, not good enough, not deserving, not smart enough, there's just some subtle sense that, just, yeah, I, I'm i not good enough. This This is the habit of the mind to compare, to evaluate, to judge, to want things to be just a little bit better or a little bit different. But love doesn't compare, right? The comparing mind... When we know we're in it, because it divides, it makes an us, an a them, it makes us, it makes things into fractions, it breaks things up. Love embraces; it allows all of it. It's a, a wholeness to it. It's an inclusion. It's an us, we. There's something in the field um, of uh, psychology and cultural studies called microaggressions, and this this term really um, and this these acts uh, really um, capture me because they're teeny tiny small movements of aggressively hurting others by making them feel they don't belong. Or that there's, they're odd or wrong and it's typically the field comes out of looking at race issues gender issues gen- sexual identity issues and so it's the kind of statement that often the person making the statement actually means to be they think they're being kind they think they're being supportive so as a woman you might have, I might have gotten a comment about, wow, you did that really well for a woman, right? So there's this sense of and it could have come from a woman or it could come from a man, but there's this sense of the the, the idea that as a particular gender it's not not normal or right that you can do whatever it was well. So there's this experience when you have that kind of thing happen where you for me it's like this bizarre mix of like i'm being complimented but i'm also like like feel super like self-conscious and like like oh i'm just bound to fail or this is an aberration or you know there's this this disavowal of the naturalness or my experience and so it's, it's a, you know, bizarre thing because again, most times when that kind of a microaggression is made, it's not, not usually done intentionally to make someone feel that way. It's really coming from this belief that this person has that, you know, oh yeah, women can't do that. And they believe that belief, right? And, and that they they think they're highlighting and supporting you but it makes us feel like we're not right, we don't belong, right? And so culturally this can happen a lot around language, assuming somebody speaks a particular language or should speak a language or it can happen around, um no, where are you from, Really? Really? Right? And, and, that's, and that can feel like curiosity or interest, but it ends up making somebody feel like they don't belong. And so what I love about this is that it really helps bring to mind these really subtle ways that our views and opinions, our beliefs get manifested, and we, we are, we're so bought into them. We don't even see them as aggressive or hurtful when we're engaged in it. And, and I also think it really, like, really points back to how do we do this to ourselves all the time? How do we subtly criticize ourselves? Subtly think our body should be, like, just this much more that. Or our strength should be just this much more that. Or our intelligence, or, you know, our verbal ability, or... Whatever it is, there's so many ways that we're kind of aggressive, cruel, or critical. My meditations aren't good enough. Right? Um, it, It all comes from this comparing mind. It all comes from this, where we get caught in these ideas and views of what things are supposed to be. So this is where I go back to, I love this idea of like, finding that space where we can see that there's believing and not, not being bought into the believing, and then there's disbelieving and not necessarily being bought into the disbelieving, but somewhere in the middle is this place of curiosity, of wonder, of interest, of wanting to know more, wanting to know more about um, how to be open, how to be present, how to just see all of the stuff that just comes unbidden, right? All of these thoughts and views and opinions. So for me, um, to do this, to do this work, it has everything to know with our getting, our getting to know ourselves. But in order to really get to know ourselves, we have to feel safe enough to let ourselves be seen, to be known. And it is necessary in this practice to know yourself. It is absolutely necessary for freedom. And it's a gift that we give to others when we know ourselves, really know and accept ourselves. And I don't mean that we just accept ourselves then allow ourselves to run amok and let our prejudices just be whatever they are and... And you know, our desires draw us this way and that way. But to just, to know that all of these things are going to, you know, and see them, these things that come, and then with wisdom and with an open heart and with wonder and curiosity, kind of keep sifting through it all and deciding, deciding where we're going to choose to live from, where we're going to act, and how do we allow the heart to choose love instead of division, separation, rejection. Um, Earthland Manuel Zenzu um, wrote a book. It's a short, very short, very sweet book. It's uh, called Be Love... An Exploration of Our Deepest Desire. And in it she wrote, It is an act of love to study yourself. Be honest with who you are. Know how you impact others. Despite the difficulties with being or feeling close to others, we cannot give up. Don't give up. I think that love is is something that... um, is just in our nature it's just, it's just in us like the stars are in the sky or waves are in the ocean you know it just manifests it's it's just there if we allow it if we create space for it it's a natural expression of life and so you know one way we can be that love is to acknowledge ourselves and one another by looking in, into each other's faces by looking into our hearts by watching ourselves with a sense of wonder and curiosity and, and openness instead of judgment and wanting to well I don't want this I want to stop having that experience and I don't want to be like this anymore so can we bring genuine warmth and affection setting our judgments aside and perhaps hold the intention of letting go of the comparing mind and all the stories that keep us from loving one another and loving ourselves earthlin in the end of her book she has a little poem and there's this one line that i just grabbed me i just loved it and that line is may the idea of enemy be banished May the idea of enemy be banished. That enemy inside and the enemy outside of ourselves. We all have parts of ourselves that we treat as an enemy. And we all have ideas of what outside of ourselves is an enemy. But how amazing would that be to not have enemies? So... I'll end with one last little quote. This is from Jack Kornfield in his book, um, or in a writing, Set the Compass of Your Heart. And he says The two things that you are always free to do, despite your circumstances, are to be present and to be willing to love. So, with that, I bow to you and I'll appreciate your practice here. And I'll turn it over to Richard to help us with the next part of our loving, loving the Sangha, caring for it.